I just want to jump in here with a quick note about some changes that are happening. This podcast is now going ad-supported. What that means is I will be releasing select episodes from the hundreds of episodes I have archived now on Patreon and releasing them here. A lot of these were recorded a couple of years ago during 2020 especially. However, I have gone through them and deemed that the parenting information was still really relevant. So just be aware that some of these releases may be out of order chronologically. Also, if you would like to listen to the podcast ad-free, you can still join Patreon. I'll still be releasing podcasts there with a few bonuses. One is that it will be ad-free. One will be that you get the podcast slightly earlier than everybody else. And I'll also be doing a bonus episode every month with a Q&A that's patron specific. So if that's something you'd like to do, you can join for a dollar a month and we'll see you there. Thanks, guys. Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey, hey. I am going to jump right in, you guys, because I think this episode is going to be a doozy. (laughs) I want to talk about boundaries. Yes, my favorite subject. I am a boundary girl. I think boundaries are the secret sauce to life. Having them, knowing when to keep them strong, knowing when to bend them. Boundaries are everything. This episode is about boundaries, but it's also about communication and effective communication. And it's less to do with parenting and more to do with us as human beings and people and with our spouses and our friends and all the relationships in our lives. So I am trained in nonviolent communication, and this is uh, this is an actual thing. It's a funny name, but uh, Marshall Rosenfield, and I will link up to the audiobook, which I think is fantastic. Nonviolent communication is a way to get your needs met through effective communication. And we really, all of us, Most of all of our glitches with other humans are because something went wrong in the communication. (laughs) And I have learned throughout my years that this is actually, this is like the basis of my spirituality. And I know that sounds really bizarre, but communication, communing, communion with other human beings in an effective way that gets both our needs met is the closest thing I know to holy. It's amazing. And when you're in sync with somebody, oftentimes our our very best friends are the ones that we're in sync with, right? And funny enough, we are attracted to, our spouses are often opposite kinds of communicators. We're actually almost attracted to the opposite because I believe in a spiritual sense that we're meant to kind of work through these things. Now, historically, I want to go off on a little tangent here because this is super personal to me. And this episode's going to be funky because I have to read you something off the internet and then kind of comment on it. But it was so mind-blowing that I absolutely feel the need to share it with you here. <laughs> historically, I have been told that I am some version of too intense, too much, too sensitive, too emotional, too something. I'm over the top. And I'm sure this isn't shocking to you. <laughs> What I've learned, though, is what this means in relationships is that I am a demander of truth. And I always say that. I say, tell me the ugly truth over a pretty lie. I don't like it sugarcoated and I can handle it. But a lot of people have a history of the other person not handling it. So people don't give ugly truths in general. I personally like to just cut down all the bullshit. 
I want to know if you're sitting opposite me, I want to know what you need, be that emotional, physical, it could be a service need, it could be a a deeper soul need, but I want to know and I want to help you with that and, and I want to communicate with you so that that need is met. And this translates to a lot of people as like too intense. Now, I've also learned that there's all kinds of things that get in the way of us expressing our needs or our truth. And again, these can be like super deep or these can just be like surface things. Like I need help moving or I need help with something. How our caregivers responded to our needs has everything to do with how we communicate our needs. It has everything to do with how we set boundaries. Now, I know most of you are parents of toddlers and I'm not talking about toddler needs. Toddlers are volatile, new, growing developing beings, their needs are often reactions. And we've talked about that in past episodes. I'm not talking about, I'm sure you guys are meeting your toddler's needs emotionally and physically. And we can't, we can't delve into this because toddler needs are valid, but they're not necessarily real. So I'm actually talking about bigger relationships in your life, or maybe even your older child, your tween or your teen. This definitely is coming up with Pascal. So when I'm talking about responding to the people in your life, responding to their needs, again, I'm not talking I'm not talking about toddlers in particular. So let's go back to the thought that how your caregivers responded, that defines how you set boundaries and how you tell your truth or how you state your needs or express your feelings. If your parents were dismissive, you know, just doesn't matter, doesn't count. If they made sweeping judgments on you, uh, that was a big thing for me. You know, you're too sensitive. Like everything, you react to everything. You're too sensitive. That's a sweeping judgment. If your caregivers got super mad, you know, how dare you? How dare you ask for something you need? Again, if you're in any version of you're too this or that, like you express a need and somebody tells you you're too much, that's unhealthy. (laughs) Another one, I'm a big crier and I have gotten this throughout my life. Oh no, here come the tears. Even though I'm not a baby, I'm just like, I cry when I'm frustrated or I cry when I have to confront somebody (laughs) and it's just like an emotional thing and then I'm done. But uh, that's a judgment, right? And I was definitely given that as as a young, young person. When this happens, when our caregivers respond poorly to our truth, our emotional needs, we grow up with horrible boundaries, okay? I had weak-ass boundaries most of my life because the needs, wants, limits, whatever you're expressing elicits a strong response in the other person, right? So for me, I grew up in an alcoholic family and I was the truth teller, but everybody would get mad at me. So even if I said something as basic as like, wow, you kind of acted inappropriate last night, I would get a, how dare you? You are terrible. You're a terrible person. And there wouldn't even be like an explanation as to why I was terrible. It just automatically, the, the switch was flipped and I was the one wrong. Time and time again, I mean, I'm talking like wouldn't talk to me for weeks. Like my family would be really mad at me for stating a truth or stating a need. Yeah, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, I think, to figure out what I learned here, right? Which is don't express something because, you know, if you try to set a limit, you get met with anger. And it's really funny. So I'll take a side minute here because I think this is kind of interesting. You know, I've had my business for like 11 years now and I've had various business partners throughout. And I don't know if you guys know this, but I actually get death threat emails because like potty training didn't go well for somebody or I don't know. It's like, 
people write me these really scathing emails. And so I just, I was talking to my, one of my business partners at one point in time and she was like, dude, you wrote a book. Like for the average kid, you're not responsible for every kid getting potty trained effortlessly. And I was like, oh, right. And then she said, you know, they can't hit you through email. I, I experienced some physical abuse as a child. And so I was getting so scared to answer emails or like what would be waiting for me in my inbox because I felt responsible for it. And I felt responsible for these people's reactions. And I also felt very scared that I was going to get this like huge reaction, you know? I mean, I was already, to be fair, I was already starting with a huge reaction. So I thought that was just a really interesting side note story for you that it really, it affects everything. And it affects like, um, I feel this like anxiety, you know, when people like, when I have to confront somebody or set a boundary or even ignore somebody or realize that I'm not responsible for everybody. So I'd fear people getting angry at me. And I want to state this very, very clearly. Your family culture determines how good or bad you are at boundaries. Now that's just, that's like a quick dip in the boundary pool. But recently I read something online that was so fascinating and I have to share it with you. And I don't know. I don't know if you'll have the same reaction as me, but like literally the heavens opened and the angels sang hallelujah with some amazing realizations for me, I think I could say. Okay, so this is called, it's a thread I found and it's the ask culture and the guest culture. And I will try to link this. It's on Facebook. If you Google on Facebook, like in the search bar, just put up ask and guest culture, it will pull up. One of my wife's distant friends has attempted to invite herself to stay with us again, writes this exasperated owner of a prime two-bedroom apartment in New York City. She did this last March, and we used the excuse of me starting a new job and needing to do X, Y, and Z, as well as the quote-unquote out-of-town excuse for any remaining dates. This got us off scot-free, and we both knew the time would come again, and it's here. We need a final solution. This guy goes on to list two different possibilities he can think of for getting this woman to stop asking for free room and board. The first is a little white lie, something about their keys being hard to duplicate, and the other being a vague... Mm, sorry, this isn't going to work for us and hope she doesn't ask why. The first few answers give this post, this poster very direct advice. Hey, just say no. No need to give an explanation. It's her who's being rude by asking. Other commenters give him the advice that was probably more like what he was expecting. Other ways to be vague, like claiming, oh, it's one of those random life in New York City things. But then another thread of discussion popped up around whether or not the woman asking for a place to stay was being rude. Some posters couldn't understand how simply asking to stay in someone's apartment was rude, while another went as far as to say that putting someone in the position of having to be rude and say no was rude in and of itself. It is into this context that user Tangerine contributes this answer. And this, you guys, is what I find so mind-blowing. This is a classic case of ask culture meets guest. Guess culture, not guest, guess. In some families, you grow up with the expectation that it's okay to ask for anything, but you got to realize you might get no for an answer. This is ask culture. In guest culture, you avoid putting a request into words unless you're pretty sure the answer will be yes. Guest culture depends on a tight net of shared expectations. A key skill is putting out delicate feelers. If you do this with enough subtlety, you won't even have to make the request directly. You'll get an offer. 
Even then, the offer may be genuine or pro forma. It takes yet more skill and delicacy to discern whether you should accept. All kinds of problems spring up around the edges. If you're a guest culture person, and you obviously are this person on the thread, then unwelcome requests from ask culture people seem presumptuous and out of line, and you're likely to feel angry, uncomfortable, and manipulated. If you're an ask culture person, guest culture behavior can seem incomprehensible, inconsistent, and rife with passive aggression. Obviously, this woman asking for room and board is an ask person, and you're a guest person. I'm a guest person too. This is written down. Me, Jamie, Jamie Glowacki, I'm an asker, <laughs> but I'm just reading. I'm a guest too. And let me tell you, it's great for, say, reading, reading nuanced and subtle novels. It's not so great for dating and getting raises. Here's the thing. Guest behaviors only work among a subset of other guest people, ones who share a fairly specific set of expectations and signaling techniques. The farther you get from your own family and friends and subculture, the more you'll have to embrace ask behavior. Otherwise, you'll spend your life in a cloud of mild outrage at the cluelessness of everyone. As you read through the responses to this question, you can easily guess who you can easily see who the guests and the ask commentators are. All right. So that's what I wanted to read to you guys. So it goes on to say, I don't know if that blew your mind the way it blew my mind. <laughs> it was a totally like, holy, whoa. The thread itself brings up that, oh, it's like this sort of non-judgmental thing. And then I was obsessed with reading the comments on this. And many, many people shared it. And I was obsessed on the comments. And the thing that I found was people like, oh, I'm a guesser. And yeah, my husband's an asker or I'm a guesser. There was this whole like, oh, it's non-judgmental. You're either a guesser or an asker. And I am going to be really clear here for our purposes, which is I am going to judge. <laughs> I don't think, I think there's a right and there's a wrong. And it's not just because I'm an asker that I think asking is right. It's from a psychological standpoint. Guessing, the guess culture, making people guess at what you are thinking or feeling isn't cute, you guys. It's not a style of communication. It's a dysfunction in your family culture. Literally break down the phrase. At its core, you want another human to figure out what's in your brain. This assumes, number one, that I think like you, which I don't. And then number two is guessing another person's needs, wants, or feelings is a huge fuck no. Because you know what? I'm probably going to guess wrong. Yeah, there's nothing <laughs> like asking for what you need. If you leave it up to people to guess, they might not guess right. Or they may just be stymied and be like, I don't know what this person wants and walk away. Then you're left feeling like that person didn't meet your needs when actually you never really expressed a need to begin with. Holy shit. This like literally describes so many glitches like any glitch, I can look back on any relationship, be it, you know, an intimate relationship, a physical relationship or a friendship. Any glitch is because of this. So like, for example, that couple in New York, right? Now, let's say, let's say I'm the woman. I'm the woman asking for, hey, can I stay in your apartment? And this couple in New York just kind of keeps being really vague. Well, now my head starts to trip out. Like they're being really vague. Is that a yes or a no? Meanwhile, I'm wasting valuable time. I could be pursuing other leads for somewhere to stay in New York, right? But I'm kind of trying to still figure them out. Then I think, 
I don't know, maybe they don't like me. Maybe they're mad at me. Did I do something? I only, I saw them two years ago, but geez, did I do something rude? It, it would never occur to me that asking is rude, right? Because I'm, I'm only asking and I'm willing to accept the no. So it leaves the, when you are a guesser, you're leaving other people to guess what's going on. And again, I'm going to guess wrong. In fact, I have an imagination like nobody's business. I'm going to imagine all kinds of other shit. (laughs) So what I think is interesting is that you constantly hear people say, I'm not a mind reader. I'm not a mind reader. And yet, judging by all the comments on that thread, there is a shit ton of people who are expecting just that. If you are a guesser, you're expecting me to read your mind. (laughs) So Here's the other dysfunction. Because of family culture guesses, they tend to believe they know what you're thinking, right? And and think about this. Think about what I what that thread said. It's a tightly knit basis of expectations, right? And it's you grow up with it and you don't even realize it's a thing. So you go out in the world and you say, "Oh, those people aren't picking up on my clues." So, god, what are they dense? <laughs> like, no, I just don't know what you're thinking. So guessers, and this is where it gets tricky, guys. And this is really, this is important because this has everything to do with boundaries and another big issue that we hear all about. And that is codependency. If you are a guesser, you are asking me to guess your feelings or your need because you're anticipating a reaction. If you You learned at a very young age that if you express this, your family culture taught you this, if you express this, there is something to be feared about the reaction you're going to get. For me, it wasn't just that people would be angry with me. I got kicked out of my tribe. Like my family would turn on me so that I was like not, and like not talk to me. So I was shut out. I was kicked out of the tribe. That's a really powerful motivator to not speak your truth. If you're going to get kicked out of the tribe, right? I think in a lot of friendships and relationships, we don't speak our truth or express our needs, our true needs, because we fear rejection. We fear the other person leaving. And if you, at the heart of any breakup, be it a friendship or a physical relationship, you can always boil down to, you know, the moment comes when you can't, bear. You say, I have to speak this truth, even if it means the person leaves. And then the truth is shown. And the person goes, you know, fuck you. I'm out of here. You're a bitch. Blah, 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 blah. Or the person says, wow, I can really hear that. And you might be able to work through it. But it, it always comes to this cliffhanging moment where you say, I have to risk losing the relationship because this situation is untenable. Right? So the guessers think that somehow they're responsible for your feelings right? Fuck me, you guys. This was my whole 20s. <laughs> it was all tinder hooks and eggshell walking. So this whole concept of asking versus guessing, it just blows my mind. And it, the thing I love is that it literally gives me words for something I couldn't figure out my whole life. Like even, you know, if I go on a date, I'll be like, listen, communication's everything to me. Like I, I don't even get angry. It's like, we can just really work it out if we can figure out each other's needs. And I, I had those words, but I don't know, next time I go on a date, I'm bringing this thread. I'm like, are you an asker or a guesser? (laughs) So what can you do? 
first of all, you got to figure out what are you, right? Like, are you a guesser? And I don't think, I think like anything, I think there's some gray area. And I think we don't go around spouting our full truth all the time. Cause you know, we'd probably get mean or we'd probably be like toddlers. We'd think the whole world is going to bend to be us. So there's like gray area here, of course, but a big hint for guessers is do you often say, to yourself or to other people, Jesus, do I have to spell it out for you? If you find yourself thinking that or saying that, then you are making the other person guess. Because if you have to, yes, you do have to spell it out. Spit it out. Tell me what you need. (laughs) What's trickier to see in ourselves? And and if you really are invested in better communication, you might have to work this out. Like maybe you and your spouse can actually like check in and tell each other what you think you are, or, you know, if you have a close friend, because sometimes we can't see our own blind spots. The trickier to see is, do you assume what people are feeling? Do you, without somebody saying a word, and this gets into like, oh, well, I'm just really sensitive to other people and I know what she's thinking. Mm -mm. That's a sign of a dysfunctional childhood that you feel, nobody is so clairvoyant that they can tell what a person is thinking or feeling at all times. That's like not even, even if you believe or don't believe in psychic powers and clairvoyancy, that's not how it works. So if you feel like I am just so intuitive, I know without that person saying a word, I know exactly what they're feeling. That is a sign of dysfunction. There is no way possible you can know. I could be unwittingly rude to you and you think, oh, see, I knew, I knew that Jamie was upset about that. And I'd be like, dude, I just found out my mom's got cancer. Like, it could, you know what I'm saying? And my mom doesn't, but it literally could be everything. It's one of the four agreements, right? Don't take it personally. Everybody's going through their own thing. So you cannot intuit what the other person is going to say. So if you feel like you can guess somebody's emotional response or you know what's going on in somebody's head, right there, there's a dysfunction. Do you describe yourself or are you described as a volcano? Do you erupt? Do people think that you are explosive, right? And this goes back to Psycho Mom, one of my most popular podcast episodes, Psycho Mom, right? We can pull it right back to, and again, I'm generally not talking about toddlers, but why do we have fucked up boundaries with toddlers? Because we fear this big reaction. Why do we give in to candy at the market? Because we fear a tantrum, right? So we're fearful of a big reaction. That's how boundaries get skewed. Again, this episode is not about toddlers or meeting your toddler's needs. Askers. Are you an asker? You probably know if you're an asker, but askers tend to have the phrases either in their head or out loud. Hey, cut to the chase. What do you want? Oh my God, just ask me. What do you need here? Like we tend to shave all language off. And so we're almost brutally direct. And I will admit to my work, I think is learning how to ask nicely (laughs) or learning how to finesse things, you know, like, because I'm just like, Jesus, what, what is going on? Ask me for what you need. Yes, I can totally do that. Like, and I tend to, I think, color it with some not nice tone. <laughs> but yes, I'm human. Now, confounded is the idea that healthy askers accept no for an answer. So, one of the more confusing aspects of psychology and how the human psyche works is we are drawn to people that make us have to work through our shit. And if you don't get a lesson, if you don't get it on a soulful level, you will keep repeating. And this is um, this is well-known in relationships. And there's so much documentation that we seek out partners 
that can help us heal the child wounds. So oftentimes you will, you know, there's no joke that people say, oh, she married her father. Oh, he married his mother, right? Because we're it's, it's a sort of deep psychological concept, right? And so what happens is if you are shitty at boundaries, you tend to attract people who are also shitty askers and lead you to believe that you are in fact responsible for their feelings. So it gets really kind of fucked up. So like, you know, like, let's say you have a friend and you say like, hey, can I come over today? And your friend says, oh, not today. You know, maybe next week we can do it next week. Yeah. A a healthy asker would be like, oh, right on. Awesome. She just set a boundary. She's too busy today, but she has time for me next week. Right. That, that is what I call an emotionally clean transaction. Can I, can I express a need? Yes, no, done, you're done. No processing needs to happen. Now, what happens if you're with a guesser and you say, hey, can I come over? Oh, I'm really, really busy. I have a tiny space available at, you know, 2.15, but I don't know, the little one might sleep a little. Ah, And then I have some time at four. Eh, What's going on here? So then you think, I don't know, okay, does she want me to come over? Does she not? Is she like, is she saying stop by for 15 minutes? I don't know. So see how it can get kind of mucky. Now, now that goes over, you know, can I, all right, that's cool. Can I come over next week? Oh, I don't know what the schedule is going to be. Let me, now I don't know why the woman's saying no, but I know that if I'm asking and I'm getting that reply, I get confused. I'm like, oh, all right, maybe did the kids not get along last time? Like I start racking my brain, right? So it's kind of, it's hurtful. It can be hurtful to make somebody guess. Another thing, like say, can, can you help me move? I've used that in the boundary episode, you know, way in the beginning of the podcast. Can you help me move? No, I, I can't. I'm sorry. I just, I don't have the emotional capacity right now to help somebody move. Oh, okay, cool. Very clean emotional transaction, right? You express something. I say, cool, we're done. We're good. Here's a sign of dysfunction, both ends, right? Can you help me move? oh, no, I I really, I can't right now. I'm sorry, the timing's awful. Then the reaction you get, what the hell? You're not my friend. I can't even believe that you're so selfish. You won't, again, that's a sign of a healthy, I mean, of of a unhealthy dysfunctional relationship, yeah? So these emotionally clean transactions, and this is what I do try to work on with parents and their kids is you don't have to explain yourself. No is no, yes is yes. And it can be very clean, right? Listen to me, boundaries make people psychologically safe, yeah? They're a way because you're taking care of yourself. You've let the world know, I don't need help here to take care of myself. I don't need you to take care of my emotions. I can take care of my emotions. And that's a very safe thing. So one of my favorite poems is called The Invitation. It's by Oriah Mountain Dreamer, and I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. But there's this line in it. It says, it doesn't interest me if the story you are telling me is true. I want to know if you can disappoint another to be true to yourself. If you can bear the accusation of betrayal and not betray your own soul. This is like a super important line. And when people repeat the poem, they often try to change this line. And she has spoken publicly and said, don't change that line. Like, can you disappoint another person to be true to yourself. When you can do that, you become trustworthy. So like as my friend or as my partner, right? If you don't have a boundary, you are not trustworthy at a very deep psychological level. And that's super trippy, right? (laughs) So yes, askers, me included, 
I might be disappointed by your reply, but that's my emotion. That is not your emotion to take on. Here's the crowning moment. Drum roll, please. Guessers at the core have learned this behavior because they feel the need to take care of the other person's emotion. They want to stave off a reaction or they don't want the other person to be disappointed or feel something. To make sure another person, to invest a lot of time and energy in making sure the other person is not hurt, upset, or disappointed, that defines codependency. To bend myself because I fear your reaction or because I'm trying to assume I can take care of your feelings is codependency. So that's crazy, right? Because there's all this talk about codependency and I feel like people don't really always get it. Yeah. This goes on to one of the things I work with with parents is distress tolerance around saying no to their kids. You are not, your child can have any sort of reaction and they are allowed to have that reaction, but you are not responsible for that reaction. And of course, you guys, I'm not talking about, I mean, I'm talking about really benign issues here or fairly benign issues and, and communication at sort of a an upper echelon level. I'm not talking about abusive practices. I'm not talking about people who have had to deal with personality disorders. You know, if you've ever had to deal with a narcissist, they sure as fuck can make you feel a certain way. It's like, it's like a fucking with your mind though. It's a different kind of thing. Abusive relationships, 100% can get you locked into feeling like you've, you've made somebody feel something. And that again is a litmus test for dysfunction, for an abuse. If anybody ever tells you, see what you made me do, you made me, that's a dysfunction and needs to be addressed. Yeah. Okay. So how can you be a better, healthier communicator? I don't think it's fair to ask a guesser who's been built on a, on a family culture that probably doesn't even recognize that guessing is an ineffective way to communicate, right? So how do you even tell if you're a guesser? And we kind of went through a few things a little while ago, but in any situation, you want to attempt to see your need. So one of the things I love about nonviolent communication, again, I'm going to link that in the show notes, is the idea that the reason we communicate is to express a need. You know, sometimes it's a physical need. It's like, can you hand me that glass? You know, uh, I'm hungry. Can we make dinner together? You know what I mean? Like sometimes there's a, a physical need. Sometimes it's just a hanging out or feeling bonded, right? Like how many times have you reached out to a friend who sort of blew you off and you got a little hurt and you it's like, you think it's not really a big deal, but when you get down to it, your need was, hey, I just, I wanted to feel a little connected to you today for whatever reason. And if you can state that really clearly, instead of saying like, oh, well, my friend blew me off. I bet she's pissed. I bet she's pissed at that thing I said last week. And you can you can go down this rabbit hole of guessing and guessing. Whereas if you can state your need and say, oh, okay, you know, hey, I just wanted to feel a little connected to you. Do you have time, you know, tomorrow or next week or something like that? You're stating a need, right? So nonviolent communication assumes that we're all communicating for some sort of need, even if it's just a a connection. If you can't state what your need is very clearly, you want to like just to start to notice. Noticing is half the battle, right? So like you go back to that couple in New York City, right? Like, once you realize like, holy shit, uh, what, how can I actually, like they went on to a public like Reddit thread, right? 
to ask, like this had become such a conundrum in their mind. Like, how do we get out of this? Right there, you say, wait a minute, I'm giving an awful lot of attention to getting this person to understand that I want to say no. (laughs) Why can't I just say no? And then that's going to lead you down the path of, oh, well, what if they get angry with me? What if they do this, that, or the other thing? And like this instance in the New York City apartment instance was mind-blowing to me because it's like a distant friend. Who cares if she's mad at you? You know what I mean? And what I have come to realize in my life is, okay, if the person gets mad at me for saying no, then our friendship probably isn't that strong to begin with, or I don't really want to deal with that kind of dysfunction all the time, right? Does that make sense? You have to recognize that no matter what anyone says, no matter what culture says, no matter what you heard growing up, you are not responsible for another person's feelings, yes? When we have friends, when we have loving relationships, Of course, there's a natural flow to wanting to care for the other person, wanting to make sure the other person is happy, wanting to do nice things. That's different, right? You are not responsible for another person's feelings. Their feelings, you know, I mean, of course, there's like obvious feelings. Like if I punch you in the face, you're going to feel hurt and you're going to feel angry with me. But other than that, your feelings are your feelings because of how you grew up through your filter, like every experience has helped shape the person you are today. And those feelings and reactions are based on that. So I can't be responsible for your feelings. And I feel like we go through this a lot. I talk about this a lot with with our kids, right? No one can make you feel a certain way. And I would venture to say that thinking you do have the power to make somebody feel a certain way is hubris at best. Yeah. Recognizing when you have a conflict, do you spend a crazy amount of time backpedaling? Like say you you have a glitch with your spouse and you're like, well, when you said this, I thought you were mad. So then I reacted this way. And then you did this and I thought, do you find yourself backpedaling and having to like, when you're trying to fix the situation, there's like, there's like all these degrees of going backwards and saying, well, you did this. So I did this. So then you did this, then I did this. And, and it's back and forth. That is another sign of dysfunction. That's a sign of not asking for what you need really clearly, which might just be like, time out. What do you need here? So many times our our actual need is different than the ask, right? Like, uh, you know, I think a common thing I see in my work is like unequitable, you know, household chores, right? Or time spent with the kids. If one parent's working outside the home and the other parent feels like, well, when you get home, you know, you don't do anything. You don't, you know, you don't, you want to go right to the gym or you want to play video games. And I've been with the kids all day and it's not fair. So that's like an ask, but that's not really what's going on. The underneath the ask, right? And that ask is going to create more dysfunction because the other person's going to react. Be like, well, I fucking was at work all day, right? <laughs> There's going to be a reaction when what's, what's underneath is, you know, maybe I need a break. Maybe it's, I want, I love seeing you with the children. I want to feel connected to you. I want you to feel like you're connected to the family the minute you walk in the door. How can we make that happen, right? So finding the need, I think, is the crux of all of this. Like, what is my need? And if you go back again to the the New York City couple, what's my need? I need to tell this woman no. Okay. Tell the woman no. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So it's guesswork. If you find yourself when you're resolving conflict, having to go, 
back and forth and back and forth and back. Well, you said, and I did, and you said, and I did. That is guessing. There's a guesser at play. I think this is just an illuminating conversation to have. I don't know. Like as I'm wrapping this up, I feel like, I don't know, is this as mind blowing for you as it was for me? Maybe it's not. (laughs) But like I said, for me, it was just like, oh my God, I seriously, I can look back on any glitch in any relationship and say, this is where things started to go wrong. So I think it's just kind of a weird out of the blue topic I just kind of threw on you. So I want you to like, give it some thought, let it marinate in your mind. Yeah. And, and see, I think it's just effective communication is everything. And if we can be effective and then teach our kids to be effective, oof, man, the possibilities are endless. All right, you guys, as always rock on. And I just want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being a patron, for supporting my work. Um, I love the messages I'm getting. I love the ideas you guys are sending my way. There just really aren't words to describe how happy I am to be on Patreon and and, in this new platform. Thank you. Thank you. Rock on. All right. I'm going to sign off for today. You can always go to jamieglowacki.com for the super cool latest updates, including the launch of my new book, Yummy New Book Presale Treats, when we release new episodes, and how to work with me directly. And of course, if you need any potty training help, there's a handy link there that will take you to all my potty training resources, including all my courses. That's the Oh Crap Potty Training online course, my pooping solutions course, and my night training supplement. And if you need additional help, how to book with a certified Oh Crap consultant. That's all at jamieglowacki.com. Have a beautiful day and rock on.